Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome once again to our pre-recorded worship experience. Uh, again, uh, we're at the message time of this video. And as you know, it's Mother's Day and we love moms. We love moms and we're proud of our moms. And I want to say a few things about moms this morning. Now, if you're blessed like I am and, and fortunate like I am to be able to engage and interact with a lot of our families around our church family, you'll know that we have a lot of moms. So many of our moms are just really doing an extraordinary job. They're doing a terrific job with their families and, and raising kids. And as you know, you know this better than I do, that momhood is very, very difficult. And for that matter, so is dadhood. I mean, parenting is always going to be difficult. And parenting, because it is difficult, and parenting, because it is so important, is just one of those things in life that we cannot put on autopilot. And one of the reasons for that is that we live in a culture that, that overcreates stress. It overstimulates anxiety and overcreates worry. Our culture is an equal opportunity stressor. And there are lots of reasons for that, but I want to give you two that are sort of connected to the message this morning. The first is this. Speed is valued more than pace. Speed is valued more than pace. We live in a go, go, go culture. We're always on the go. We're always on the run. We're always out of breath. Our engines are just revved and going all the time. There is no one in our culture that wants to be called or even considered a slacker. So because that's true and because the pace of life is so fast, we have to ask ourselves some, some brutal questions and we have to be brutally honest with them. Question number one, do you go to bed every night worn out? Be honest. Do you go to bed every night just exhausted, just worn out? Do you go to bed every night exhausted? Question number two, would you describe your life as always on the run? It's always on the run. When you have a moment to contemplate or, or, or to think about your day or your life, does it seem like you're always on the go? You're always on the run. Again, be honest. Uh, question number three, do the words slow down seem like fantasy? I think for a lot of people, the word slow down seemed like an impossibility that uh, the only way that they can slow down is if they leave normal life and they go to vacation life on the other side of the country. So speed is valued more than pace. Uh, a second reason for this is more is better than enough. The reason there is so much stress, anxiety, and, and worry is that it's always about more. More is better than enough. Not only do we live in this go, go, go culture, but we live in a do and do and do more and more kind of a culture. Overachievement has been replaced by overproducing or overproduction. There's no kill switch to the machine. And so again, in this area, we have to ask some very personal questions. Question number four, are you always thinking about your calendar? In other words, when you consider your calendar and you, you, you have your calendar in front of you, are you always looking for a space where you can insert something else to do? Are you always thinking about your, cult, your calendar? Be honest. Question number five, do you wonder a lot if you're measuring up to someone or if you're measuring up to something that you've, you've put as a standard? Are you always wondering? Do you find yourself wondering a lot if you're measuring up? Question number six, do you believe that this is life? All of the worry, anxiety, the, the frantic pace, all of the production, all the activity. Do you believe that this is just life and everybody lives like this? And again, you have to be honest because you have to honestly consider these questions because quite frankly, there is more to life than hassle. <laughs> 
There just is. There's more to life than hassle. And number two, to not be honest with these questions, the liabilities and the damage to our lives and to the people around us, the collateral damage, is just too great. I mean, think about health. Mental health, spiritual health, physical health, all of that is adversely affected. I mean, relationships. Relationships where we gain and we glean so much joy in this life, they're adversely affected as well. Our relationship in marriage to a spouse or the relationship in, in our families to our children. So what are we to do? Well, I think that there is a, sort of a big confrontational question that we have to ask about all of life. And the question, quite frankly, was, was something that's been rolling around in my mind for a while. There was a song in the early 90s by a one-hit wonder band called Four Non Blondes. And their big hit was, was built around a question. And the question was, hey, what's going on? That's the confrontational question that we sometimes have to ask about all of our life and all of our relationships and all of our activity, all of our perspective, all of our values. Hey, what in the world is going on? Now we have to ask that question from time to time because we are disciples of Jesus and we have a very distinct and we have a very definite idea of how life is to be lived on earth in the kingdom of God. Uh, we also have to ask the big confrontational question because we do love our spouses. We do love our children. We do want what is best for them. And we have to see our life and how we're living in light of the big question. And then we have to ask that question, what is going on? Because we live in a world that unfortunately often works against us rather than for us. And the solution to that question a lot of the time, in, mo in fact, most of the time is one word. And that one word is boundaries. The one word is boundaries. Many of you have probably read the book by uh, Town, Townsend and Cloud entitled Boundaries. If you did premarital counseling, if you've done marital counseling, or maybe even taught a class in Sunday school Wednesday night, you might have used this book, Boundaries. Pretty famous book in the Christian world. These two fellows were Christian counselors in the early 1990s in Southern California. And in their work with dysfunctional families and codependent families, they discovered the importance of boundaries and how they were linked to, to healing in these dysfunctional codependent relationships. Now, when we talk about boundaries, think about a physical boundary. A physical boundary, like a fence, defines where your land begins and where your land ends. It protects you from encroachment. This is also true of, of boundaries in every aspect of our personal lives. Think about how this concept is found in one of the most famous, most well-known verses in the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Solomon writes, above all, guard your heart. Guard your heart. That is, there's got to be some boundaries. There's got to be some, some, some fences. There's, there's got to be some protection around your heart that guards it because everything you do flows from it. Uh, the Passion Translation, which is a rather new translation of the Bible, puts that same verse this way. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Boundaries are, as Townsend and Cloud describe them, the things that define what is me and what is not me. Boundaries are those invisible fences that help us 
to live within ourselves. It helps me to live within who I am. It helps you to live within who you are. Uh, For our purposes this morning, this is the way that I want us to think about boundaries. Boundaries keep our lives from crashing into our limits. Boundaries keep our lives from crashing into our limits. Satan, as you know, is the great distorter of boundaries. Go back in your Bible to Genesis chapter 3 to the Garden of Eden. Eve in the Garden of Eden meets the serpent who, through distorting the boundaries between creator and creature, tempts Eve to disobey God. Listen very carefully to his words. This is Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. For God knows that when you eat from it, this is the tree that is forbidden, the forbidden fruit, the, 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 the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Suppose for a moment, I mean, what if Eve had said, whoa, serpent, I am a creature. I know my limits. I know the boundaries and I will leave the God stuff to God and I will leave the human stuff to humans. No, I'm not going to cross that boundary. I know my limits. Had she said that, the world would have been a different place than it is today. No one would have heard of COVID-19. You know, Cloud and Townsend say that the most important boundary-building word in our vocabulary is this little tiny word, one of the first words we learn as a human being. It is the word no. The most important boundary-building word in our vocabulary, according to Cloud and Townsend, is the word no. But Eve, as you know, did not say no. She crossed the boundary between creator and creature, and the world has never been the same. Uh, There is in a psalm, one of the two psalms that I quote every morning and pray through every morning, Psalm 131, there is this idea of of respecting boundaries uh, found again in the the, the writings of David. He writes in the very first verse, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. There you have it. There are things that are are great matters and and too wonderful for me to consider. There's a boundary. I'm not going to cross that boundary. God will be God and I will be a human is what David is saying. Now, to be clear, boundaries are not excuses to not do the right thing because it becomes uncomfortable. Boundaries are not excuses to not do the right thing because it's become uncomfortable to do it. Boundaries, on the other hand, do keep us focused on the most important responsibilities that we have in this life. They they finally delineate and demarcate the lines between what is my responsibility and what is not my responsibility. And so in the time that we have left, let me give you three boundary building declarations that will help us create the kinds of boundaries that will bless us when we, as we live and as we raise children, as we're moms and as we're dads in a culture like this. The first declaration is this, I will live in God's presence. What this means is that as a disciple of Jesus, I'm going to proactively do the things that help me know God, know God intimately, that know God, that help me to know God personally, rather than just to know about God, to know the facts about God. It's about building a relationship with God that is more than just enough. 
It is about building a relationship with God in which I do walk with Him and I do live with Him and He lives with me. That there's no place in this world that I go by myself, that He is God and, and you know, that God is God and nothing less, and that I'm a human and nothing more. We all have this God-shaped hole in our heart that if we do not fill it with God, the things that we try to cram into that hole will drive us to all kinds of precarious and dangerous places. We will be putting ourselves in danger because we are violating what we value most in this life and not just value, but what we need most in this life. And that is to be in God's presence at all times. One of my life's big truths in, in Scripture that propels me into the presence of God is this short statement in a long psalm. Psalm 73 verse 28 says, But as for me, the nearness of God, that is my good. The nearness of God, that is my good. Let me challenge you this week to memorize that verse, Psalm 73, verse 28, out of the New American Standard Version. Uh, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. Memorize those words, the nearness of God, that is my good. And then uh, quote it and pray it for a week every day at breakfast, lunch, and dinner and see if it makes a difference in your life. So we not only declare that we live in God's presence, but number two, we live in God's power. We live in God's presence. We live in God's power. Another way of saying this is that I understand that I am the one as a human being who has limits, that I'm not God. God is God. I am a human. I am not God. I am the one with limits. And there are a lot of Bible texts that teach us this, but one of my favorite is this from the hand of Paul. He's writing to the church in Corinth. He says in chapter 15, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. So here is Paul, who is this hard-charging, educated, zealous, ambitious Pharisee of Pharisee, who all of a sudden finds himself hard-charging out of the kingdom of God and out of the presence of God. And he was literally, as you know from Acts chapter 9, he was literally knocked to the ground on the road to Damascus. And for a short period of time, his sight was taken from him. But it was in that short period of darkness, of blindness, that he was suddenly able to see clearly the liability of all of his overreaching and outstripping of his very human limits. And he finds himself later on in life saying, I am what I am because of God's grace. God's grace was effective in making me who I am. From, a, from another place in more recent history, think of Lord Acton's most famous quote. Power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Why is that true? Why do we believe it to be so? It's because humans have limits. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, maybe one of the most important things you'll do today is accept the fact that you're a human and that as a human, you have limits. And not only because you're a human, but because of the DNA that you have or, or the experiences in life or, or the opportunities you have had in life or, or, or the, um, the, the, the things that have happened to you in this life. All of these shape you to, to see the world and to live in the world in a certain way. And there is no shame in saying that as a human being, I have limits. Um, Paul wrote to the church in Colossae years after his conversion on the road to, to Damascus. He says in, in chapter 1, verse 19, to this church in Colossae, he says, It's to this purpose that I also strive to labor and work, 
striving according to his power. See, there was a time in Paul's life where he was striving according to his own power. He was his own intellect. He was, you know, his own man doing his own thing and realized that he was overstripping and overreaching his, his, his very human limits. And now years later, he is saying, I strive according to God's power. I live in God's power. And it's that power which mightily works within me. And then finally, and this is number three, I will live in God's presence. I will live in God's power. And number three, I will not live as a prisoner. And this is where you begin to see the, the boundaries forming in your life. When we live in a boundaryless life, it can feel like we are prisoners, that we are enslaved, that we're, we're imprisoned to the whims of loved ones, that we are enslaved to the unreal expectations of the culture that we live in, or that we are, we are imprisoned because of the irresponsibility of others that we have taken responsibility for. Here's the thing. If we do not want to live as prisoners to the irresponsibility, the unreal expectation, or the whims of other people, then we have to learn how to say no. Again, it is the most effective, important, boundary-building word that we have in our vocabulary. It is to say no to the things that are outside of our boundaries and are, that would form an encroachment or an invasion into our life. We have to learn how to say no. And in this way, we begin to see the boundaries form. We begin to, you know, as we live in God's presence and we live in God's power, we begin to see not only that these, these boundaries are forming when we learn not to be a prisoner and learn to say no, but because we are living in God's presence and we are living in God's power, we begin to see the boundaries form in the right places. It is so important in our culture today that we learn how to have boundaries, that we, that we look at the world as it is and, and our life in it and the kingdom of God that is within us, that is reflecting God back into the world, that we, we look and we say, what is going on? And that we begin to, to consider very carefully how our lives as disciples of Jesus, that distinctive, that definitive way of living on earth, that there are ways that we do this that cannot be violated. And that is what a boundary does for us. And it's important to have as we live as disciples. It's important to live as employees. It's important to have as we live as spouses, as friends, and especially as moms and dads. Let's pray. Father, you blessed us with these people we call moms. We're so grateful for them because of the way that they influence our life. And so we want to pray for them in this moment, in the name of Jesus, and ask you to bless them, to, to raise them up, to bless them with wisdom, to give them strength, to give them insight, to give them the fruit of the Spirit, to, to increase their love and their joy, their peace, their patience, their self-control, gentleness, kindness, all of that. And we're grateful, Father, that you, in your wisdom, have brought people, a mom, who not only gives us life, physical life, but a mom who gives us nurturing and who gives us a special view of love in this life that never leaves us. Thank you for these people, Father, and bless them greatly. And help us to be a church that always honors the place of motherhood. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, moms, for what you do. May God bless you richly this week. And happy Mother's Day.